Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. All right, and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast, where we talk about all things Star Wars and canon versus legends lore, and we talk about all of that things. I am one of your hosts, Teacup or Austin. And I am your other host, Ben of Tamaria. So, for those of you who were with us last week or were not, you may or may not know that we've started a new kind of series where we're talking about starships are meant to fly. Hands up. They touch the sky. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to respond to that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we started a new theme of starships, which is always fun. Uh, last week we went over the Star Destroyer slash Venator class starships, and then this week we are going to go over the well-known, very famous X-Wing Starfighter, which, if you, even if you've never seen Star Wars, just seen a picture of one of these things, you probably know what it is, kind of just like a lightsaber. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely the ship... To associate, especially with the Rebel Alliance. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, let's just dive right in. As always, we always start with Legends first. So, with the history of the X-Wing, the X-Wing was originally designed by Incom Corporation for the Empire by uh, Vors Vorharen. It was originally, it was directly uh, descended from the old Z-95 Headhunter by built by Encom and Subpro with lessons lessons learned from the Arc 170 starfighter of the Clone Wars which if anybody knows what the Arc 170 is that is the starfighter that all the clones typically fly in during um we the, see them pretty much only in Revenge of the Sith that we and when we're talking about movies and then we see them quite a bit when we're watch if you watch Star Wars the Clone Wars um and yeah the original battlefront 2 game oh and that's true and also the original battlefront 2 and actually any of the battlefront games honestly except for the first remake one yeah but whatever uh the fighter was advertised by the galactic defense review prior to one bby so, after the Galactic Empire planned to nationalize uh, the Incom Corporation, the entire engineering team defected to the Rebel Alliance with the prototypes hidden on Fresha. So, they were made for the Empire, and completely <laughs> the entire engineering team <laughs> bailed on them, and that's how the uh, Rebel Alliance are the only faction with x-wings wow i didn't know that i didn't know that either until doing this research and i was like oh this is interesting so after four prototypes were extracted from russia during the battle of russia 
uh, at first encounter Imperial forces in the Battle of uh, Turcanon. Many more of the ships were liberated from an Incom assembly facility prior to the Battle of Yavin. The Rebel Alliance soon began building its own X-Wings in clandestine dry docks and factories scattered throughout the Outer Rim territories, though decentralized production and the security or scarcity of various high-grade alloys used for the X-Wing construction meant the squadron sometimes had to endure agonizing delays before new fighters arrived. Which makes sense when, you know, the Empire is literally scrounging up every single resource in the entire galaxy, building whatever God knows what they build. So, uh, besides its usage uh, by the Rebel Alliance, a Starfighter Volunteer Squadron by the name of Lightspeed Panthers <laughs> utilized several customized T-65 X-Wing Starfighters against several, several TIE LN Starfighters, which is going to be just your standard TIE Fighter, uh, during the Fei-Hu campaign, and demonstrated the uh, fighter's superiority by taking down 286 TIEs within 9 months while only losing four of their own X-Wings. Holy crap. I mean, it kind of helps when... So if you... And we'll go over this later in the episode. So X-Wings have shield generators. So they have deflector shields. Compared to TIE Fighters, where they have squat. They don't have any of that. So... Yeah, it kind of makes sense that they took down but like that number is huge yeah uh so this eventually led to the empire's development of the tie in interceptor and later the tie hunters a direct counter to the x-wing that pro- uh possessed s foils photon torpedo launches and ion cannons which if you know anything about star wars weaponry Proton, uh, proton torpedoes and ion cannons actually deal very big damage, even if you have deflector shields on. <clears throat> right, which makes sense because previously we'll talk about this. The standard use Tie fighters do not have shield generators or hyperdrives mm-hmm. on them. Yep. So they're designed to be mass-produced and light and. Just have a lot of them. And the way to do that is to cut shields. Take a lot of the expensive stuff out of the entire development process. <laughs> right. But the X-Wings, the X-Wings have both a hyperdrive and deflector shields. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it made them sturdier, but there's less of them. So, essentially, the Rebel Alliance went more with quality, where the Empire went more with quantity. It's typically how you can put it. Um, and it makes sense because you're never, as a Rebel Alliance, no matter what you do, you're never going to be able to outproduce the Empire who can mm-hmm. just these entire factories at a whim. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So the X Wing was continually updated throughout its uh, design lifetime. The T 65B was the primary X Wing fighter used by the Re- uh, Rebellion in the Galactic Civil War. The B model was the version Luke Skywalker used at the first Death Star during the Battle of Yavin. There is also the enhanced T-65C-A2 de- uh, developed by the Alliance. These versions were rare during the Galactic Civil War to limited uh, production capabilities. The T-65AC4 was another variant produced during the New Republic. Its engines allowed it to fly at speeds comparable to an A-Wing. And then... When we're talking about A-Wings, A-Wings are the fastest ships, at least starfighters, um, when it comes to the Rebel Alliance, and I don't know what their top speeds are on the top of my head, but it's insanely fast. And they even have, like, a boost engine, so you can, like, boost yourself midway through, like, uh, a firefight or something like that. It's interesting. I'm very interested in the comparable speed to the A-Wings because they're supposed to be the fastest ship in the Rebel, like Starfighter in the Rebel fleet. Right. So one notable design, the 
T65D-A1 replaced the astromech droid with an uh, internal computer core for a hyper, uh, hyperdrive jump calculations, but was considered a failure partly due to the ease of sabotage. The TX65 was the X-Wing trainer variant. Now, I'm assuming the trainer variants, like, the main thing is probably the the weapon system on it. Like, the weapons are dialed down to the lowest possible damage to where they won't really do anything. Maybe just stun the ship. Right. Uh, famous uses include the Battle of Yavin, where the X-Wing piloted by Luke Skywalker destroyed the Empire's first Death Star. Although nearly all the other X-Wings that participated in the battle were destroyed, an X-Wing piloted by Wedge Antilles also helped destroy the second Death Star's reactor at the Battle of Endor. In concert with the Millennium Falcon, starting a chain reaction that completely destroyed the battle station, which we all see in, you know, Return of the Jedi. Did you ever play the Nintendo 64 Rogue Squadron game? Uh, I played Rogue Squadron on the GameCube. Oh, so the second one. Yeah, I played the second yeah, that's one. That's the more famous. There's an older one, but like, I always remember flying around because you had to, the first opening mission was you had three X-Wings coming in mm-hmm. and you were over uh, either Moss Espa or Moss Eisley or something and you had to defend it from like TIE Fighters and Probe Droids. It's interesting. That's interesting they use Probe Droids in, in that mission. Yeah. Uh, so, despite the legendary combat prowess of the X-Wing, however, 70% of the X-Wing short- shorties throughout the Galactic Civil War were uh, reconnaissance missions, and the Wing Commanders were taught to attack and strength only when the results will be spectacularly successful. Which makes sense. I mean, there's not that many of them, so you don't want to use, you know, lose all your pilots and ships all in one skirmish or skirmish. Like, yeah. Um, and now that I remember the Rogue Squadron games, most of them relied on like quick hit and run and tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, then the Galactic Empire also had access to X-Wings, which they used in false flag attacks during the Galactic Civil War. This includes the action at Dalrekin, and after the Battle of Endor, uh, Kirtan Lore created a false rogue squadron. So this is getting like into like the older, like after Return of the Jedi stuff to where... It's mainly books and comics back then. Um, and then X-Wings were also used by outlaw forces, including guarding the free port of Shador. I think that's how you say it. So that's the Galactic Civil War stuff. Now we get to go into the New Republic. So it's been intended the X-Wing series uh, would replace by the E-Wing approximately six years after the Battle of Endor, but initial design issues relating the weapons placement delayed the widespread introduction into the New Republic military. Which, that's one thing I didn't, I do need to look up is the E-Wing, because I know the A, B, Y, and X, and Y, or, and another one I'm missing. I don't know much of the E-Wing. Yeah, from what I can tell, there's not a lot. You might... Might see some of it in a game, if I can remember correctly. Okay. Um, There, let me just go down to appearances. Oh, it's in a lot of things. Of those resources. Here we are. So it's in Star Wars Dark Empire. These are all books, books, books. Yeah, books, 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 books. Yeah. Yeah, it's all books. It's all mainly books. Okay. That makes sense now. (laughs) No wonder I've never seen it before. So... 
Uh, wide-scale deployment of the E-Wing did occur, most notably in the 5th Fleet, but X-Wing production continued on and may have equipped fighter squadrons not at the tip of the spear. One notable exception was uh, Rogue Squadron, the Republic's most elite star fi- or elite fighter squadron, which was known for its almost exclusive use of the X-Wing, which makes sense. And then this, this is probably my favorite part of the series of Star Wars. Shortly before the Yuzhan Vaughn War, the uh, New Republic fielded the J-Series of X-Wings, supplementing the more advanced and more expensive Series 3 E-Wing. The XJ added a third torpedo bay, where the cargo bay was previously increasing the photon torpedo load up to 9, which I think prior, I think it was up to 6. But the Yuzhan Von War, all on its own, is an awesome, awesome storyline. Yeah, I mean, it was... I thought that that might have been the direction they were going to go with the Disney sequel trilogy. Oh, we would hope. Because that's the... um... That's the storyline where Han and Chewie die. Or well, no, just, at least just Chewie, because Han's Chewie. already gone. Uh, no, Han, Han survives. Does he? Yeah, so... Let's, let me think. So during the Yuuzhan Vogue War, Ben Solo... Ben Skywalker is that one. a child. Oh, okay. And so the twins are like Padawans at that point. And Han is still alive for Jaina being almost a full Jedi Knight, Jedi Master. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, like, the last series where they're really involved, like, a full series is the Fate of the Jedi series. And they're all, like, 40 years after Return of the Jedi, they're all still alive. Okay. So, uh, engines, lasers, and avionics were also improved. The XJ was greatly improved in all aspects over the early designs, and initially issued to star starfighter squadrons with Jedi pilots. So, the XJ series is basically a more advanced X-Wing unit specifically for Jedi. And then uh, three variants were developed, uh, accumulating with the T-65J-3, the ultimate evolution of the X-Wing. The X-Wing shutter fire capability was added uh, in the evasion of the Lujan Vong to overwhelm their singularity defenses. And then some paramilitary groups were also equipped with earlier uh, J-series fighters, probably the T-65J or the T-65J-2. System defense forces and poor paramilitary groups may have had the X-Wings of varying age and capability. Many older X-Wings were rebuilt during, uh, rebuilt into the T-65BR reconnaissance variant. Ooh, there's a lot of variants of X-Wings. Yeah. And now we get to the Galactic Alliance service. So this is, I believe, the Galactic Alliance is where the Empire and the uh, New Republic formed. I think they formed forces for a short while. Sort of. So the New Republic and the Imperial Remnant is like right after Return of the Jedi and a couple decades after. The Galactic Alliance... A short for GA and the Imperial, uh, what is it called? It's not the Imperial Remnant, but it's, I, it's, I'm pretty sure it's still Galactic Empire. Um, hmm. They're basically two coexisting forces okay. that exist at the same time. Hmm. But the Empire isn't like, oh, we're seeking to like conquer the galaxy from official terms, like. There's what the the head of state of the Empire says, and then there's what the Moths are saying. Gotcha. So, by the time of the Krillic slash Chiss conflict, two variants of the X-Wings were introduced. The first was the XJ-5 series, also referred to the Chass, or the Chase X, 
The second variant was the Stealth X. The XJ-5s were mainly used by the Reconstruction Authority Space Patrol. Uh, the Jedi tended to use Stealth X or earlier XJ-3 series. The Stealth X was a covert uh, strike craft equipped with features that reduced its visibility both visually and to sensors, though it could be located if it was silhouetted or launching photon torpedoes. Now that's interesting, having a ship that can actually like visually like somewhat camouflage itself. That's cool. We don't. We haven't seen that in Star Wars, except for um. Actually, no. I don't know if we've seen that in Star Wars. A ship cloaking itself like that. Yeah. Uh, Clone Wars. Oh yeah, you're right. Where we first see Admiral Trench. That's right. I forgot his ship can do that. The uh, Stuff X was described as being smaller than the XJ model, which was already half a meter shorter than the T-65C. The Stuff X was also described as being a derivative of the XJ-3 and likely classified as the XJ-4. And uh, by the time of the Second Galactic Civil War, the Galactic Alliance was fielding XJ-6s and Luke Skywalker's Jedi-filled Hardpoint Squadron Uses exclusively the XJ-7, which soon follow, being used by at least by Rogue Squadron. There were two conflicting systems of identification for the X-Wing. The basic designation, the T-65, was uh, constant, but the version modifier was inconsistent, and one of the, one of them, a letter was apprehended to the end of increasing value. So you have the x where you have the T-65A, T-65B, T-65C, T-65D, and etc. A second system, the suffix AC-4, was used. So they just like started making random letters, basically, after T-65. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, just naming things. And then uh, culture influence during the Galactic Civil War. To uh, toy X-Wings were apparently popular among children who wished to reenact the ventures of the Heroes of the Alliance. This was a, a reminiscence of the Clone Wars in which children would often play with action figures and vehicles to create their own versions of the war. So that's what we got in Legends, and that was a lot. Yeah. Okay. You want to head to the break? Yeah, let's start our mid-break. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything that has to do with the podcast but doesn't have to do with the lore of Star Wars. And so it's this time that I would like to thank all of our patrons from big to small to for supporting us and hanging out with us, those of you who are at our tier three patrons who hang out with us monthly. We enjoy it. Thank you so much for your support. We do have a new patron who joined us. Their name is Morton something. I'm not going to attempt to butcher your last name, but thank you for your support uh, for signing up for the Patreon. And then 
What I also want to remind you of is if you want to support us in a different way besides the Patreon is you can go into Apple or Spotify and rate us or give us a review. And if you leave us five stars with some words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And other than that, I want to remind you to join our Discord, the Cups Podcasting and more, where you can come and hang out and talk about Star Wars and video games and all things and get into very tense debates on which Dragon Age character is the best, which is what happened today. Um, I was watching that. Yes. Dear God. Uh, <laughs> or whatever you want to talk about. Talk about the Old Republic MMO. See some screenshots from my very modded KOTOR playthrough. Lots of fun there. You can also join us on the Robots Radio Discord, where we you'll find all kinds of podcasts, our fellow Rocket Club members or other members of the Robots Radio Network. Tons of video game podcasts, tons of things to experience from sort of radio drama podcasts to let's pl- to actual play podcasts with role playing to other lore cast on the thing and you know see other shows that we support like the Witcher lore cast or the Mass Effect lore cast or lots of things going on in the Robots Radio Discord. Yeah, bunch of fun, got good times. So. And then I think that is it, because I don't believe we have a review to read today. No, not this week. Nope. All right. Well, then let's get back into it. All right. All right. So now that we're back, we are now into the canon of the X-Wing. So the origins in the canon, the T-65B X-Wing Starfighter was envisioned by designers as a fighter with both speed and power to take the Imperial Star Destroyers, ultimately delivering on both promises. It managed not only to become the backbone of the Rebel Alliance Starfighter Corps, but incorporate lessons learned in assessing assessing the performance of Clone Wars-era winged uh, starfighters such as the popular Z-95 Headhunter and the powerful ARC-170 Starfighter. So, that didn't change much from Legends to Canon. And then, ironically, the Incom Corporation had first designed the X-Wing to use for the Imperial Navy. The Galactic Empire had asked for a new rugged single-pilot starfighter to help fill out the its ever-expanding fleet, to which Incom was obliged to fulfill, taking inspiration from the Z-95 and the ARC-170. Incom engineers created a prototype that combined assets of both earlier designs. Hmm. And then after receiving parallel approval, production began on the new X-Wing line only to be halted. Ostensibly, the... I don't know that word. Uh, the Empire has found a new concerns with the Starfighter which caused the st- uh, stoppage. In truth, Encom had uh, sidelined in favor of the Sonar fleet systems and their much cheaper TIE series Starfighter faced with the Gult. Uh, expensive starfighters going unsold. Incom was more than pleased uh, when agents of the Rebel Alliance contacted them about making use of the X-Wing. So that's a little different to where instead of the engineers defecting from the Empire to the Rebel Alliance, you had the Empire being the Empire. is like, oh, we can get cheaper starfighters and faster production? We'll go with that. And just made this other corporation just PO'd about it and then just go to the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, which, you know, in a lot of ways, the X-Wing is superior to the TIE Fighter in that it's bulky, it's tougher, it has shields, it has a hyperdrive, has proton torpedoes and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the TIE Fighter is fast and they can make a lot of them at once and... There are several times that we see TIE Fighters just completely outfly and overwhelm X-Wings. Yep. I mean, even if we, like, not even just in the original films, but if you watch Star Wars uh, Rebels, you will see why, like, the Empire uses TIEs is because they work. Like, yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> and I think that's why, like, in Legends... We see the t- X-Wings start doing more stealth missions because they can take out targets and get out fast when they do that. Whereas, like, 
in other big fighters, you will see the Rebel Alliance utilize the A-wings and the Y-wings a lot more. Mm -hmm. Because the Y-wings are your bombers, so they're going to take out Star Destroyers, other cruisers like that, and then the A-wings are fast enough to deal with the TIE Fighters. Yep. So now we get to the Galactic Civil War. Uh, the Rebel Alliance used the X-Wing exclusively during the Galactic Civil War against the Galactic Empire. While X-Wing starfighters were initially in general use, they eventually became solely affiliated uh, and of a symbol of the Rebellion, which is true. Constantly hiding from the Imperial detection, the, Re uh, the Rebellion clearly resorted to building its T-65Bs and hidden dry docks and hangars far from prying eyes of the Imperial spies. Uh, squadron was kept in the hidden fortress of Yavin 4. X-Wings were used alongside Y-Wings in the Battle of Scarif, aiding to the Rebel fleet above the planet to help Rogue One steal the Death Star plans during the Battle of Yavin. Luke Skywalker was assigned to an X-Wing for the battle, the goal of which to destroy the Empire's approaching Death Star. And then, although many of the X-Wing pilots were killed, Skywalker was able to launch his uh, photon for torpedoes into the battle station's exhaust port, causing a chain reaction, destroying it, which until he was the only other X-Wing pilot who survived, which... Now rereading this and doing the research, I completely forgot there was only two X-Wings still alive after that battle. Yeah, it's just Wedge, Luke, and the Millennium Falcon that drive, that fly away from the Death Star. I mean, yeah, and now knowing, like, who we have as Obi-Wan now in today's world, it makes sense Wedge being alive because he's uh, Ewan McGregor's actual uncle. I did not know that. Yeah, they're, they're straight up related. Like, uh, when Ewan McGregor was approached with Star Wars, his uncle told him, he's like, don't do it, don't do it. He's like, but I'm going to do it. That's <laughs> So, aside from the Rebel Alliance, the Partisans, a loosely affiliated group uh, led by Saw Gerrera, utilized the X-Wings as well, although they were given expensive paint, extensive paint jobs matching their organization, with several of them being used by the Cavern Angels as well as Adrio. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, shortly after the Battle of Yavin, the mercenary... Saponza and his partner were involved in training X-Wing pilots. They used a specifically modified astromech droid in order to draw out Womp Rats, and a team of 20 X-Wings were deployed to test their skills. So, this kind of comes from the reference of shooting Womp Rats in the desert. Because I think, if I recall... Playing Rogue Squadron on GameCube, the very first mission you have is you're flying a Starfighter. It's not even it's not an X-wing or anything, but your your whole thing. Sky, it's a Skyhopper. Skyhopper, yeah, and you're literally just shooting Womp Rats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Rebels also brought X-wings under their new headquarters, Echo Base on Hoth. They were launched in the Empire's invasion of the base to protect the escaping transports. Then a rookie pilot. Uh, Don Fox was, uh, was the sole X-Men pilot assigned to protect his wife's transport, but did not make it past the Imperial blockade. Oh, that's sad. Uh, after escaping, Skywalker avoided the rendezvous point uh, to visit with Jedi Master Yoda on Dagobah. He then took his X-Wing to Cloud City on Bespin to rescue his comrades. And then for the climatic... Battle of Endor, the Rebel Alliance uh, assembled their entire fleet for the assault on the DS-2 Death Star 2 mobile battle station. X-Wings were assigned to Red Squadron for the battle under the command of Wedge Antilles. Although several X-Wings were destroyed, Antilles used his fighter to destroy the battle station's power regulator, contributing to its destruction. And then X-Wing fighters were also present in the Battle of Jakku. And at least one fighter was shot down during the battle, and its wreckage was preserved at the desert surface for nearly 30 years. And if you play the new Battlefront 2, you are one of those X-Wing pilots in that battle. Yeah. 
So then we get to the legacy of the X-Wing. So in years following the destruction of the Galactic Empire, newer X-Wing models such as the T-70 X-Wing Starfighter would eventually fall into the hands of the Resistance, and the, uh, and the T-85 X-Wing would see use in the New Republic Defense Fleet. At some point after Snoke drew Ben Solo to the Dark Side of the Force, renaming him Kylo Ren, he was the... He and the Knights of Ren killed all the Skywalker students and burned the Jedi Temple. Skywalker went into exile and went to search for the new Jedi Temple. After traveling to Octu, he purposely ditched his X-Wing in a sha uh, shallow inlet, uh, leaving himself stranded on the island and cut himself off the force until Rey uh, came to find him, uh, came to be his fi uh, final apprentice before dying and becoming one of the force. Ray later purposely crash-landed Kylo Ren's TIE Whisper on Octu, wanting to do the same thing Luke did, but Luke's spirit lifted his old X-Wing out of the water for her to travel to Exegol and then return to the Resistance base on Ajin Kloss after the war ended. So that was just a reference, basically, to when Yoda, or, like, when Luke landed on Dagobah, his X-Wing, you know sinks into the marsh, and then Yoda rises it up with the Force. It's basically all that was. Mm-hmm. So now we get to character characteristics of the X-Wing. The T-65B X-Wing Starfighter was manufactured by Incom Corporation. It was designed to excel in as aspects of the Starfighter combat, being highly maneuverable and heavy shielded with a small profile to make it harder to hit, which we see. Um, unlike other starfighters, the X-Wing could excel in a uh, atmospheric flight. This included outmaneuvering the TIE Fighter, and when otherwise faster and more movable than the X-Wing in space. Which makes sense, because it's like nose point makes it more aerodynamic yep. than the square TIE Fighter. Uh, had two pairs of wings, uh, wing-like strike foils on, or S-foils, mounted on the rear of the craft on opposite sides. Normally, the foils of each side locked in place flushed with each other during combat. However, the foils will fold out. This gave the craft a distinctive X-like appearance, which viewed from the front or rear, which where the name X-Wing comes from. The S-foils were controlled by an S-foil servo actuator, uh, located on the back of the Starfighter, the S-foils open and attack position, the craft had a greater speed uh, spread of fire as opposed to while shut. So, and then each wing, so each, like, one of the four wings also has a, uh, which I'm pretty sure I'm about to go over, has, like, a laser on it. The craft was armed with the Tannerman Bach. Uh, KX-9 laser cannons placed on the tip of each wing. The laser cannons could be fired uh, singly or in alternating pairs or all at once. By default, the convergence or zero point where the laser's, lasers will would intersect was set 500 meters in front of the X-wing. And then it has uh, two Corolex Corrupts MG7 photon torpedo launches were located in the grooves near the middle of the underside of the fuelage uh, on either side of the T65B. A deflector shield generator located in the rear of the X-Wing created a protective field which the adjusted around the craft with the help of the Kimpat Defender Deflector Shield Projector. This included shield protectors along leading the edges of the S-foils, which in attack position helped expand the protective field. Oh, there's uh, so much stuff in this. Yeah. <laughs> a, They're uh, complicated ships. They are very complicated ships. A uh, Burtek Screamer Sensor Jammer provided additional defense by scramming the sensors of N Enemy starfighters and homing warheads. The X-Wing could also use its laser can to shoot down enemy missiles. And then four 4L4 fusel thrust engines were attached to the wings of the T-65B next to the fuelage. Some of the X-Wings were fitted with the 4J4 fuelage thrust engines, which were virtually... Visually identical to the 404 models, these provide the X-Wing with incredible maneuvering thanks to 
three factors. Uh, the use of the dimensional thrust between the four engines to adjust trajectory. A high mass electromagnetic gyroscope fitted in each engine, swinging through tight curves, and the ability to fire uh, retro thrust forward through the turbine nozzles and fair suppressors, which conceal the hot exhaust. Oh my god. So that's basically. Maneuverability wise, if you ever watched um, Last Jedi, where like the opening scenes with Poe and his X-wing sequence, that's how they how they run. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, and Poe is basically just starting and stopping his engines to do all that maneuvering. Yep. Uh, the X-wing itself was powered by a noble. Le- Novel Dex 04Z cryogenic power generator located in the center of the ship. Cryogenic capacitors located in the S4 to store additional power for the engines. Power couplings allowed the engine energy to be distributed and balanced between the various systems. The Starship weighed 180,000 kilograms. Uh, The single pilot sat in the armored cockpit in the center of the fuelage, protected by a Transparasteel canopy. The canopy allowed the for a wider, wider view compared to that uh, provided in a Tie Fighters, and was also designed to automatically prioritize uh, polarize to protect the pilot from harmful light, which is also different from X or uh, Ties because Ties don't do that. It's just you know glass, right? Uh, explosive charges were set to blast the canopy clear in the event of a gluten holster ejector seat had been used, adjustable uh, adjustable for use of the species. The pressurized cockpit had enough life support for up to one week and featured an internal compressor to protect the pilot from high G accelerations. The cockpit had flight control similar to those of the T-16 Skyhopper and Airspeeder also produced by Incom Corporation along the targeting computer with the holographic imaging system. So, I mean, that kind of shows you also how Luke was familiar of already flying an X-Wing because he already flew Skyhoppers on Tatooine. Right, exactly. And we don't really get that in the movie because we just get a reference. You know, Luke, like, I used to bull by Bullseye Romp womp rats in my t16 back home like we don't mm-hmm. know what a t16 is if you're just watching the movies yep exactly but it is for those of you it's that little like shuttle thing that luke is flying around in the beginning of a new hope mm-hmm. the toy yeah the toy that and uh also if you watch obi-wan kenobi it's the toy that obi-wan presents luke at the very end of the series so the X-Wing was also equipped with a long-range hyperdrive system consisting of four GBK-585 hyperdrive motiv- motivators. An astromech droid serves the X-Wing's navigation system plugging into the socket near the engine above, the, above and behind the cockpit. The droid assisted with calculations and could hold up to 10 hyperspace coordinates as well as make repairs to the craft. It could readjust power levels between different systems multiple times per second to assist the pilot in fight. The droid was capable of assuming full control of the X-Wing if necessary too, with or without a pilot. In an emergency, a separator charge would launch the droid clear of the craft. Which I feel like R2 could hold more than 10 hyperspace uh, coordinates because it's R2 and he's never had his memory wiped. Well, apparently, we think that's probably the case because in Clone Wars, when R2 is stolen, the reason that they're going back is because R2 has all of the hyperspace travel and coordinates that Anakin has ever done. Yeah, and he's never had his memory once, including when he gets to Luke. So he has all his father's hyperspace lanes. Exactly. Like, um, he's the biggest liar in all Star Wars. He is! Chopper the biggest murderer, R2 the biggest liar. Yep. That, that's facts. Uh, the T-65 sensor systems were located inside the X-Wing's nose cone, 
the sensor system a Combanti transceiver package was made up, and this is a lot of big words, of a Fabrotech ANS-S5D LockTrack full-spectrum transceiver, a Melihat multi-imager dedicated energy receptor, and a Tannen IR electroprobe photoreceptor. Oh, I think I did well with that. You did. Uh, those uh, fed information directly into the targeting computer, which could track up to 1,000 sublight objects and acquire 20 targets. Additionally, a Fabrotech K Blacken mini uh, sensor scanned directly behind the X Wing to detect sensor sweeps and, uh, and craft approaching from the rear. Under the X-Wing was a cargo compartment, a repulsor lift, and three reinforced landing legs to protect the craft from tough landings and takeoffs. Painted stripes on the rear of the S-Foils identified each craft. S-Foils in tech position provided the X-Wing with additional stabilizer surface surfaces during air travel while listed with a maximum atmospheric speed of 1,050 kilometers per hour the x-wing could otherwise fly at supersonic speeds indeed with the engines at maximum thrust an x-wing could travel so fast it could glow hot from the atmospheric friction okay basically it turns red hot when it flies super fast in an atmosphere uh, doing so put tremendous strain on the starfighter and the pilot themselves, however, after several minutes of the maneuvering these velocities, gradual systems failures begin, and even the cannons themselves were at risk of melting from the heat. Uh, when traveling at traveling in, high in a planet's upper atmosphere, the X-Wing could achieve speeds fast enough to cause the pilot's head to swim and their vision to glitter. Which, holy crap. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then um, here's some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, with these uh, Starfighter episodes, um, not from our last one, but starting with this one, I'm going to like do some behind-the-scenes stuff. So behind the scenes, the X-Wing series of uh, Fighter was the first appeared in Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. During the climactic Battle of Yavin, the ships quickly became iconic in the original Star Wars film, the original trilogy, and the Star Wars franchise as a whole. X-Wings reappeared in other two in the other two Star Wars original trilogy, Star Wars Episode 5 Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars Episode 6 Return of the Jedi. Many of the expanded universe products also feature the X-Wings um, and their crew members including Star Wars X-Wing, Star Wars X-Wing Alliance, Star Wars X-Wing Miniature Game, and Star Wars X-Wing Rogue Squadron for the prequel trilogy, the clone uh, the Star Wars The Clone Wars television series and other projects from Lucasfilm created numerous ships that served as a as in-universe predecessors to the successor and successors of the X-Wing. These include the Z-95 Headhunter Starfighter, the ARC-170 Starfighter, and the X-83 Twin-Tail Starfighter. And the X-Wing's uh, fighters were originally colored blue, but were changed to red and white because the blue color blended in with the blue screen during filming. And in the novelation of A New Hope, the X-Wing squadron is called Blue Wing, and Luke Skywalker's call sign was Blue 4. Which makes sense because uh, I believe Blue Squadron is in Rogue One, and they get yes. wiped out. Yes, exactly, yes. So... Because he's part of Red Squadron in, yes. yeah, Episode 4. Yeah, and we do see Blue Squadron does make an appearance in Rogue One, but at the Battle of Scarif, and yeah, as Teacup just said, uh, they get completely decimated in non-existence. Which, yeah, fun fact about Rogue One, Rogue Squadron, that later takes their name, you have Rogue Leader, which at some times is Luke and sometimes is Wedge Antilles. Um, but there is no Rogue One designation. It goes Rogue Leader, Rogue Two, Rogue Three, Rogue Four, Rogue, Rogue Oh, I never and noticed that. Is that is out of respect for the 
the Rogue One de- designation of the sacrifice they made at Scarif. I never noticed that. Huh. Well, and we're going to get more on Rogue... Well, story of the characters of Rogue One, I should say, here in next month, because that's when the Andor show starts. Yeah. Three Fun. episodes at launch, with 12 total. So it's the longest-running Disney Plus show. That's true. Well, so Mando's eight. Each one of them Typically, is Typically, yeah, Mando's eight. Um, Book of Boba was six. Uh, Obi- was six. Kenobi was six. And all the Marvel shows, uh, I think, have been only up to eight at the most. Yeah, I think you're right. So this will be... Um, Ondor will be the first Disney Plus show to have 12 episodes. It has been confirmed for two seasons. Uh, they did a new trailer where we see Cassian uh, going undercover and all that. And we bring, they brought back a familiar face. They brought back Saw Gerrera. They did. I'm not surprised at that. I'm though. not either. I'm just excited to see him again. Like, that's awesome. I love his character. But uh, that is all we got for Legends. Alright, well, that's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, love the X-Wing. Great ship. Iconic. Uh, yeah, you got, that's all you got for us? Yeah, that's all I got for the X-Wing. Uh, next week we will be going over um, its counterpart in the Galactus War, the TIE Fighter. Um, and then if you want to hear more of me, if anybody is still here live, uh, I will be on the guest starring on the Two Girls, One Ship podcast tonight, uh, as we are going to go over Triss from The Witcher, uh, or if you are listening to this, uh, recorded, just go to their newest episode, uh, once it launches and you can find me there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Holocron Histories podcast, and we'll see you next week. And the may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3CountThoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>